0: when is a story not just a story when is bread much more than water yeast and salt when is the command to feed someone more than a command to give someone actual food when you're dealing with the bible that's when the bottom line sometimes we have to look past the miracles and signs to see what scripture is really getting at to see how it's feeding us with the bread of life. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. These past few weeks, we've been looking at the Law and its relationship to Christians. Now that we've spent some time on that, I want to look at a particular story in which the Law pops up, in a positive way. We often miss this one. This is the story of Jesus feeding the crowds with loaves of bread. This story is actually the Gospel reading assigned for this upcoming Sunday. It would be the 8th Sunday of Matthew. But... This Sunday is also the Feast of the Dormition, the Falling Asleep of the Mother of God, which has its own festal reading. If you're in the Russian tradition, you may hear both readings. This is what I did when I was in seminary at St. Vladimir's. We would read the assigned daily reading as well as any festal readings that had been assigned for that particular date. However, in the Byzantine tradition, including the churches in the Greek Archdiocese, The tradition is to only read the festal readings. This means that the daily readings get usurped. Nonetheless, today on this podcast, we're going to take a look at the daily reading, the 8th Sunday of Matthew. So, here it is. And on disembarking, Jesus saw a large crowd, and he was moved inwardly with compassion for them, and healed the ill among them. But when evening arrived, his disciples approached him, saying, This is a desert place, and the hour is already past. So send the crowd away, so that they may go off into the villages and buy foodstuffs for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They have no need to go away. You give them something to eat. But they say to him, We have nothing here but five loaves of bread and two fishes. And Jesus said, "'Bring them here to me.' "'And having bidden the crowds to recline upon the grass, "'he took the five loaves and two fishes, "'looked up to heaven, pronounced a blessing, "'and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, "'and the disciples to the crowds. "'And all ate and ate their fill, "'and they took up what was left over the fragments, "'filling twelve baskets. "'And those eating were about five thousand men.' not counting women and children. Then Jesus insisted that the disciples embark into the boat and precede him to the other side until he should dismiss the crowds. So that was Matthew 14, 14-22. On the surface, this looks like a simple miracle story. That would be the surface reading. What happens in the story? But if we are to read this on a deeper spiritual level we'll see that there's more happening than Jesus simply performing a miracle. In other words, we shouldn't simply understand this story as a sign the historical Jesus once performed. In other words, as Christians, our faith has to go much deeper than miracles and signs. Even Scripture tells us this. Here's Matthew 24, 23-24. through 24. If anyone says to you then, Look, the anointed is here, or here... Do not believe, for false anointed ones and false prophets will be raised up, and they will produce great signs and prodigies, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the chosen. And then in Matthew 12, 38 through 39, it says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees responded to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But in reply, he said to them, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign, and a sign shall not be given it, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The sign of Jonah, of course, is a sign of mercy, since Jonah was called to preach repentance to the Ninevites. But back to signs. Even St. Paul says, Since Judeans ask for signs while Greeks seek wisdom, and we proclaim the Crucified Anointed One, both a stumbling block to Judeans and a folly to the Gentiles. That's 1 Corinthians one through 22-23. As Orthodox Christians, we often fall into this trap of being impressed by signs. We become infatuated with miracles, whether it's a healing by some saint, a relic of a saint, or even myrrh-streaming icons. These are all signs. Signs which we should be careful not to place our faith in. The foundation of our faith has to be the crucified and risen Lord, not miracles. And it's the same with this story, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Our faith can't rest on a miracle performed 2,000 years ago. There's got to be something more being said here. There's got to be a deeper truth. So, Let's start exploring this passage. The first thing that strikes me is the location of the story. The disciples say that this is a deserted place. The word used for desert here in Greek is erimos. This also means wilderness. It's a barren place where nothing can grow. And if there's no growth, that means there's no food and no shelter. You're exposed to the world and its elements, and you're at the world's mercy for the better or worse. Now, I also want you to think about where we've seen God's people in a deserted place. For me, the image that comes to mind is the Hebrews wandering in the desert after they've been freed from Egypt. They no longer had the comforts of Egypt. Houses, food, etc. In fact, they hated being in the desert so much that they started to complain to Moses that they wanted to go back to Pharaoh in Egypt. They preferred being enslaved rather than being free in the desert. Talk about Stockholm Syndrome. What the Hebrews didn't realize was that it was better to be in the desert. It's in the desert that they met God. And it's in the desert that God cared for them. Despite their complaining, God did feed them in the desert. Quails fell from the sky and manna was provided. The Hebrews didn't go hungry. And in fact, Scripture says that their shoes didn't even wear out, not for 40 years. The story from Matthew follows the same sort of pattern. The people are in the desert, now with Jesus. They think they're going to go hungry. They had forgotten that God can feed His people, even in a barren place where there's no resources. We do the same thing. We forget to depend on God. We, too, get worried about our bank accounts, our houses, our stuff. We want to go back to Egypt, where there was plenty. We think that if we don't overly plan for our future, we'll starve and perhaps die. We have to remember, though, it's in the desert that we meet God. It's in the desert that we are fed. Not by food given to us by a master who enslaves us, but by God who gives us living food. So, speaking of food, what does today's story say about that? Well, at first, Jesus tells the disciples to feed the people. They push back, complaining that they don't have any food to give the people. So, Jesus does the work He's commissioned the disciples to do. He's the one who takes the five loaves and two fish and feeds the 5,000 men, not counting women and children, as Scripture says. What's most interesting here are the numbers Matthew is very careful to say that it's five loaves. Why is that? Well, as I said, we need to dig deeper past the miracle. So five is obviously a symbolic number. But what does it represent? Well, if you've been listening these past couple of weeks, you're probably shouting, the five books of Moses. Five appears there. And I think you're absolutely right. Here, in this story, it doesn't just mean bread, food that we eat to satisfy our physical hunger. Matthew is talking about a different sort of food. Bread is a metaphor. In this case, it's the food of the law, God's instruction that's given to us to eat unto life. So when Jesus asked the disciples to feed the people, he's not asking them to give people actual bread. He's asking them to teach the people. Teach them God's law, His instruction, which they should know because they've been listening to Him teach for some time now. They should be in a place where they've digested what Jesus has been teaching, so that they can regurgitate it. They should be able to feed the people now. But instead, they hesitate. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. This sounds nice. Matthew uses bread as a metaphor for the law, but how do we know that's what he actually meant? Maybe he was just trying to tell us a miracle story. Well, in Matthew, Jesus actually tells us that he wasn't talking about bread. Here's Matthew sixteen four through twelve. And leaving them behind, Jesus departed, and the disciples, in crossing to the other side, forgot to bring along loaves of bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch. And be wary of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. But they talked among themselves, saying, We did not bring along loaves of bread. But knowing this, Jesus said, Why do you talk among yourselves, you of little faith, because you have no loaves of bread? Do you not yet understand, and do you not remember the five thousand five loaves of bread, and how many baskets you took up, nor the four thousand seven loaves of bread? and how many baskets you took up. How do you not grasp that I was not speaking to you about loaves of bread? Be wary, rather, of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was telling them to be wary not of the yeast and loaves of bread, but to the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. If by yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees he means their teaching— then we know that the reference to the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 with bread is also a reference to a teaching, though this time God's teaching, or the law, the five books of Moses. And unlike actual bread, the bread of the teaching cannot run out, which is why they were able to collect baskets of extra bread after everyone was fed. Here Jesus is speaking plainly, and he's telling us that the feeding of the 5,000 is not a miracle story. It's not a sign on which we should rest our faith. Instead, he's telling us to look towards God's instruction, which is found in the five books of Moses. It's a wisdom that continually feeds us. It gives us life and sustains us. Now remember, I started by talking about the setting. We're in a deserted place, or a desert place. And as I said, I think we're meant to recall the Hebrews in the desert, how they were fed with quails and manna. But the real question is, is that what they were really fed with? Was that the real food that fed them? Or is there something more going on? Well, if in the New Testament story, the bread represents the law, perhaps that's what the Hebrews were also fed with in the desert. After all, it was while they were in the desert that Moses received the law. Perhaps it was the law that sustained them by feeding them with the words of life, while they were in a place where no life could grow. God, after all, is the author of life as well as the author of the law. Now if this doesn't convince you, let's do a quick word study. As I mentioned, the word for desert in Greek is erimos. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that word translates a Hebrew word which is midbar. So what you're probably thinking. Well, the word for desert in Hebrew actually means from the word. The m sound in midbar is actually the from preposition and debar is the word for Word, or matter, as in a subject under consideration. Of course, what's the Word? Well, it's God's law. That's the Word of God. Of course, in the New Testament, that Word becomes enfleshed. That's an entirely another episode. So, it's no accident that the law is given in the desert. Or, to think of it the other way around, it's no accident that the desert is called from the Word. Midbar. There's a connection. So if in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, they are in a deserted place, a midbar, it's no surprise to learn that the bread of substance is none other than the word or law of God. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we found ourselves in the desert at one time or another. We feel isolated, removed from the world. And being in the desert is no fun. It feels like there's no life there. It feels like we'll burn up. And wither away. It's no accident that the early monastics went into the desert to fight their spiritual demons. It seems like all demons live in the desert, including our own deserts. But Scripture promises us that God is in the desert with us, and He's in our desert. And because He's there, we can meet Him, and He sustains us. He gives us His instruction, which is the bread of life, even in a place as barren as the desert. Another way to think about the desert and being fed there by God is to think of Christ's death. Christ was crucified and entered into the ultimate desert. Death. But death could not contain Him. He rose from the dead. So now, because of this, we're able to meet Christ in our own death. It's in death that we meet the author of life and we're fed the bread that only He can provide. The true bread which satisfies our true hunger. I think I'll leave you with these words from Proverbs. It speaks of wisdom, but in Proverbs, wisdom means the law. This is 4, 10-13. Hear, my child, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble, Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Until next time, God bless.